Hextall grew up in Pittsburgh and at one point in his life, and I quote directly from a recent interview, hated the Flyers as a kid. Yeah? Does that help? Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way every Monday through Friday, bright and early in the morning. And it's accompanied, if you happen to be interested, in football and or baseball by daily shots of Steelers and Pirates. And speaking of Pirates, when Ron Hextall was growing up in Pittsburgh, of course the son of Bugsy Hextall who played for the Penguins at the time, he was five years old and his family lived here for six years. It was actually up in Green Tree, which for anybody who isn't that familiar with our topography is right on the other side of the Fort Pitt Tunnel from downtown. A lot of the pirates of that era were living right there because it was close to Three River Stadium and there were some penguins up there too and that included the Hextall family. Hextall happened to share an apartment building with Roberto Clemente and Rennie Stennett, Manny Sanguian. He recalled a time when Manny and Rennie, Rennie Stennett, by the way, my favorite all-time childhood athlete, any sport. Manny and Rennie came out into the street and asked little Ron and his buddies if they could join in for a game of street hockey. And it just so happened that the kids had some extra sticks and let the Pirates' star second baseman and catcher join in. There. Now can you at least listen to the possibility that Ron Hextall could be and maybe should be the Penguins' next general manager? Because there's a very compelling case to be had there, even for those of us who've been watching hockey around here long enough to recall when Hextall was the enemy from the wrong end of the Commonwealth. Look, I'm no different than you. I only see Ron Hextall in one uniform attached to one logo. He was the most impactful, from a presence standpoint, goaltender I've ever seen. That doesn't mean he was the best. That doesn't mean he was the most successful. But I can't recall ever being in an arena and being more aware of who the other team's goalie was than when it was Hextall. You'd have to have been appreciating hockey in his era, in the 80s, to know how and why he stood out as he did. It was partially because really, really tall guy, which was not normal at the time for the position. Really tough, really animated, really spirited, very much a flyer, very much that. Wasn't afraid not just to mix it up, but to start it. And everyone remembers here, of course, him chasing Robbie Brown out of the corner after uh, Brown scored on him and started doing that windmill celebration. Hextall looked like he was going to 
literally decapitate him with his big goal stick. But he got into it all the time. It was mostly because of that stick handling. We'd never seen a goaltender, never, never, never seen a goaltender do that. Just like hockey had never seen Bobby Orr and a defenseman rush up ice the way Orr did. Hextall was doing something nobody had done. He wasn't just collecting the puck behind the net and leaving it there for his defenseman. He was making plays. He was scoring goals. He was the first goaltender, with apologies to Billy Smith in the 70s for having accidentally touched a puck before like seven other people or whatever hit it and put it into their own net. Ron Hextel was the first goaltender to actually score a goal, to put the puck down on his blade, shoot at the length of the rink, right into the net. And he ripped it too, dead center. A truly great, above-the-ceiling level player in NHL history. That doesn't matter right now, though. The GMing part does. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by Warrior Alpaca Socks. What makes their socks different is the alpaca fiber used in their construction. It's stronger, softer, far less irritating to the skin, more breathable, hypoallergenic, warmer than wool. This is the time of year for Warrior Alpaca Socks. When you go to their website, warrioralpacasocks.com, use the code DK to get 15% off your first order. One more time, warrioralpacasocks.com, use the code DK just for our podcast listeners. If Hextall were to become the Penguins GM, and of course there are reports now over the last 48 hours that the Penguins have sought and received permission from the Kings where he's currently employed as a senior advisor to interview him. That's not going to be an accident. I've looked over this field. I don't see anyone on there that I'm more impressed with than Hextall. I brought up the other stuff first and foremost because I know where your brain is going to go as soon as you hear the name. I brought up the goaltending, but I also brought up the fact that there's some real significant Pittsburgh ties. And actually, Hextall has spoken about them, and he's kind of proud of them. If you want to know, by the way, he's actually born in Brandon, Manitoba. So there's no Pittsburgh-Philly connection as far as being a hometown in either way. But as a GM, as an executive, his history has been that he shows that same toughness that he showed as a goaltender in terms of establishing his approach, in terms of dealing with those uh, around him, in terms of maintaining his will, and most importantly, in terms of building a roster. What have I been talking about ever since the Jim Rutherford resignation here? To me, it would be easy and lazy Beyond words, actually, to just go out there and find Jim Rutherford, too. I keep citing Dale Talon, which sounds really mean. Dale Talon isn't the only Dale Talon out there, but he is a Dale Talon on the earth, and I don't want a Dale Talon running the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's just how you become the Florida Panthers. It just is. 
you just kind of drift from year to year. You don't really have a direction. You see two, three holes on your roster, so you go out and get two, three guys. That's the Florida Panthers. Do you want the Penguins to become the Florida Panthers, like with Sid and Geno? They can do that because that's what you'll get out of Jim, too. Jim was right for when he arrived. He was perfect for when he arrived. He wasn't perfect now, and a continuation of him wouldn't be perfect now, to say the least. This team needs to build. Notice I'm purposely leaving off the prefix re, rebuild, because rebuild sets off all kinds of flames in everybody's heads around here. Rebuild means, you know, doing what the Pirates just did. You know, ship everybody out, just start completely with prospects. It's not going to happen. Sidney Crosby's in your employ. But you can build. You can acquire younger players. You can have a prototype for what it is to be a Pittsburgh Penguin. And build. Build from that. Who are the players on the Penguins roster that we've been glowing about the most lately? Yeah. Pierre-Olivier Joseph on the back end. Kasperi Kapanen up front. I've liked what I've seen of Drew O'Connor. I like seeing the kids that have some energy in addition to some skill and everything else, and I like seeing them be the ones who are supporting Sid and Gino, and ideally in Gino's case especially, lifting him up a little bit. I like seeing the young defensemen come in once Chris Letang is out and have everybody asking, hey, why come the defense all of a sudden looked like it had all kinds of energy? Good. That's what this team needs. Hextall has done that. You might not think that because the Flyers haven't exactly bowled anybody over in the playoffs yet, and because Hextall was dumped by the Flyers a couple years ago. But the fact of the matter is, is that Philadelphia's roster is in better shape now than it's been in a very, very long time. And again, I'm talking about, you know, the 87 team that Ron Hextall almost single-handedly carried to a Stanley Cup championship by taking Wayne Gretzky's Oilers to seven games, even though the Oilers outshot the Flyers like 700-1 to every night. Hextall was awarded the Conn Smythe Trophy as the playoffs' most valuable player on the losing team. Look up in history how often that's happened. But Hextall has built, or built, I should say, past tense, the Flyers into a sharp, young, very fast, mostly skilled, and quite deep team that a lot of people around the hockey world saw coming for a while, including while Hextall was still there. These players that you see now in Philadelphia, and again, I'm not really getting into the Claude Giroux and Jakub Voracek and the handful of holdovers that they have, but the younger ones, those were players who were found the right way by Hextall, then sent to Allentown to play for the Phantoms, and the Phantoms became a really strong team again in the AHL. And you know what? They didn't goon it up. They didn't goon it up. The one thing that Hextall 
ended up exorcising the Flyers franchise from is this idea that the only way they were ever going to win the cup again was to beat the living snot out of everybody like they did in the mid-70s. He changed that. That was not popular in Philadelphia. It wasn't popular with the fans, and it wasn't popular with the people over his head, the dinosaurs, the Paul Holmgrens, the Bobby Clarks, Ed Snyder while he was still alive. Hextall had the guts to do that because he wanted to build a modern, fast team in the mold of, you know, who. So give him some thought, but give him some fair thought. When we come back, just one question. like to leave one of these you can do so by visiting dk pittsburgh sports find the article that houses this podcast and leave it right there in comments this segment of daily shot is brought to you always by the good people at the greater pittsburgh community food bank they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need in western pennsylvania they're here for you when you need them go to pittsburghfoodbank.org slash get help to find food near you today's question comes from tony who says, DK, as this team is currently constructed with everyone healthy, do you honestly feel their window to compete for a Stanley Cup is still open? The the window thing is such a generalized nothing concept. Um, it gets used a lot. I'm pretty sure that over the course of the hundreds of columns or podcasts or TV appearances or whatever that I do in a given year, I probably use the term myself. But it, it really doesn't mean anything. If you consider that Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin are both in their early 30s, as is Chris Letang, and if you consider that their core of wingers their top six wingers includes all guys who are under 30 and a couple that are really pretty young. Kasperi Kapanen, Jake Gensel's still young. Brian Rust's not an old guy. If you look at this roster overall, you're not talking about a window the way uh, we in Pittsburgh do with other teams, but notably with the Steelers. You know, your window in football is attached to your franchise quarterback. Once the franchise quarterback isn't there, it's seen as an oh-no moment. Hockey just doesn't apply. I I don't know that we use the word window in our city more than they do in others. I'm not aware of that. But I wouldn't be surprised if we do because everything is attached to star players. And in Pittsburgh, we've been so blessed in both hockey and football with enormous star talent. So we think that everything has to happen in that window. Well, Sid's 33. Sid's not dominating the way he did when he was 23 or the way he did when he was 28. 
But he's 33. He's not 38. He's not 43. He's 33, and he's still doing some pretty good things on the ice with his best yet to come. I, I don't doubt that at all. Gino's off to a rough start, but this past season, in the 2019-20 season, he led the NHL in points per game at 5-on-5. Five five. That's an important qualifier there because some players, as they get older, great players, will kind of sponge off power play points. In some cases, they'll really, really need them in order to sustain point totals that are closer to their career norms. Gino didn't do that. Gino got his points at 5-on-5. Five five. He got more points per game than anyone in all of hockey at 5-on-5. Five five. More than Connor McDavid, more than Nathan McKinnon, more than Crosby. If you believe that Gino's fallen off a cliff since last season, that's your right to do so. I think he's just going to kind of get back to it. He's kind of starting to now. So what's what's the window? The window is the rest of the team. Sid and Gino are still around. To say that the window has closed when they're 33 and 34 doesn't make sense to me unless you think that they absolutely must pick this team up on their shoulders and carry it to another championship. I don't think that's going to happen. Maybe that's what you're asking, but I don't think that's going to happen. But you know what? It didn't really happen in 2016 or 2017 either when the Penguins won championships. Go back and watch those playoffs again. Sid was really, really good. Gino was really, really good. Did they carry those teams? Or were those teams just, especially the first one, outstanding and loaded with talent and speed? And in the case of the 2017 team, toughness and togetherness. Did Sid and Gino carry those teams? If you don't feel like watching the whole playoffs to prove my point, just watch the clinching games. Sid was tremendous in Game 6 in San Jose. Gino was a two-way force, but ask yourself, which of these games, whether it was that Game 6 one year or the next, or really all through the playoffs where you said, wow, Sid and or Gino just single-handedly won the game that night or scored this massive goal. Who scored the biggest goals in those playoffs? Double overtime against Ottawa, Chris Kunitz. Overtime against San Jose, Connor Sheary. list goes on and on and on. The biggest goal, the biggest single goal scored by anyone in either of those two playoffs, was by Patrick Hornquist. The window's there. The window's there. Stop even using the word. I appreciate the question. That's good stuff, Tony. And thanks to everybody for listening all week. I have a favor to ask. On the podcast platform where you listen to this, they have a place where they ask you to like check off the number of stars and whatever. Uh, if you like the podcast and to leave a review, this is supposed to be a really, really big thing in podcasts where it helps us in the rankings and it helps the thing grow and it helps the thing, you know, create revenue and, and other essential stuff in a business like this. 
you can take a few seconds out of your day today to do that, I'd appreciate it. Thanks to everybody again, and we'll do this again Monday. Park University in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.